Welcome in to Locked on Knicks. Alex Wolf here. No Gavin today, but I did bring on a special guest co-host. I have Derek Reifer with me to talk this terrible Knicks loss once again, 104 to 96 to the Charlotte Hornets on the road. You guessed it. The starters stink. The bench is awesome. And things are generally not fun right now. But we will be talking about that in just a sec when we get into it on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's out. And he's out. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode of Locked On Knicks is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. Also writing for Clutch Points this year about the Knicks. And as I said in the intro, I am joined by a guest who runs many Twitter accounts and does many stats. Uh, I am joined by Derek Reifer. Not Derek Reifer. Don't say it that way. It's Reifer, damn it. Uh, and he is, uh, you might know him as at D underscore Rife on Twitter or at RJ Barrett stats or, uh, what's the, the Mets one Mets analytics, Mets analytics, Mets analytics, corner three sport, also analytics, uh, at underscore analytics. Uh, am I missing any just, Derek? Are there any other? I just want to get my thoughts out there and, um, Maybe they're just for myself. Personal journal that you're allowed to follow if you like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the honestly, the RJ one is, is a must-follow, frankly. You did an RJ Barrett bucket for every day leading up to the season during the offseason, which was pretty cool. I think we talked about that during the RJ preview, if I remember correctly. Yep. Uh, I wish we could have had some RJ Barrett buckets. I wish week. we had a few more of those as well today. Yeah. So let's just get right into it then. So the Knicks lose 104-96 to to the Charlotte Hornets. They were up 34 to 18 after one quarter and Kemba Walker had 17 points. It was actually, all right. So here's where I want to start this. Cause I actually, I found this to be the more I thought about it, the comparison kind of held water. This felt very similar to the last game to me, the game against the bucks where in that game, Julius Randall goes crazy in the first quarter and the Knicks are in it. Now, granted, they weren't crushing in that game. They were. Was that the like, Raptors? I think that was the Raptors when he was going crazy in the first quarter. Was it? I thought that he also kind of had it going against the Bucks as well. Yeah, I think it. Ha- I think it happened a couple times. I think the Raptors. He had like twenty points or 18, 18 points. Yeah, I think it was like thirteen like against the the Bucks or yeah. something. So not quite as good, but like in general, like he was kind of carrying the offense, and because he was on, the team was hanging in there, and then his offense fell off. And then they surrendered the lead prior to halftime. And then in the third quarter, they get blitzed. 
to start the quarter and then end up, you know, the, the bench claws their way back, almost finishes the comeback the other day, but can't quite do it because they run out of gas. Now this game, Kemba Walker scores 17 in the first quarter. Then when the starters come back in in the second quarter, they seem to kind of not know what they're doing and not know how to, you know, operate if Kemba's not scoring at like a 90% clip. And then they, you know, go into the half like looking so good, come out to start the second half and get again totally blipped. The worst it got was 22 to 5. Uh, it was 10 to 1. It was 10 yeah. to 1. I think it was 22 to 5 at the yeah. break. Yeah. So, and then the bench players started filtering in and go figure. That was when the comeback was on. And then the difference in this game is that Tibbs instead tried to at least give Kemba and Julius a chance to close the game as well. I think uh, right at the end there where they just bizarrely went small ball mm. um, without Obi out there, which just makes the Knicks, you know, again, I think the final run that sealed it was a 13 to three run by Charlotte to end the game and they end up winning the game. So Derek, I'll throw it to you first, man. Like what, what stood out other than just the obvious of the bench or the bench playing well and the starters not playing well. I mean, what were some things that you immediately took away from this game? Yeah, I think we could start with a couple of positives. I think quickly was electric in the game. I think Obi was too. Obi's basically doing what he's been doing all season. I mean, he comes into the game, he's sprinting up and down the court. He's active on defense. Uh, even with the ball in his hands, he had a couple more plays tonight where he gets the ball off the catch, driving to the rim. He had a nice alley-oop to Mitch off the catch. Really pretty. He just seems like this game's slowing down for him a lot. Quickly, you can see the confidence coming back, pulling up from threes from everywhere. And a lot of them went down tonight. I think he hit three or four, uh, pulling them right back into the game at the end of the third quarter. So that stuff was good. The defensive energy was good. Uh, as you mentioned, the starters – it was a tough scene out there. It's kind of tough. You want to paint them all with the same brush. And obviously Kemba had a great first half. It wasn't really there in the second half. Randall, he really didn't have it going all night, in my opinion. I think in the beginning of the game, he was doing a little bit more of the little things. I think the passing was looking pretty good. His offensive rebounding was pretty solid all night, I thought. The jumper wasn't there at all. Um, it wasn't there. He was taking some of the threes off the catch, I, I thought, which was actually an encouraging thing to see. Something that we've seen this season is he kind of gets the ball open for three and then he'll do a little pump fake and dribble inside the line. So some of the process there was pretty good. The results weren't there. Um, coming to RJ, I mean, I think RJ might have had his worst game of the season. Um, one of the worst games. Maybe one of his games is a pro, a while. if we're completely honest. Yeah. Uh, it's maybe since his rookie season um, yeah. or, or early in his sophomore season when he was really struggling, but he really didn't have anything going for him on either end of the court. I think the first half was, you know, not great. I think he was like one for five or one for six in the first half offensively, defensively, nothing standing out. And then it was the beginning of that third quarter when it almost felt like that entire run by the Hornets to start that quarter was coming against R.J. Barrett uh, mm -hmm. defensively. I think Gordon Hayward hit him with a couple of back cuts, got him to the rim. One of them was an and one that he finished. Uh, there was a wide open three that Hayward got on a slow closeout that he ended up missing. Uh, but in terms of process, I think R.J. allowed like four or five open, clean looks to Hayward, either from three or at the rim, which was really discouraging. Obviously, an immediate timeout by Tibbs. 
Um, but really not too much great to say in the second half from the starters. I mean, there really wasn't anything. I, I don't I don't know how many points they scored in the second half, the starters collectively, um, but it wasn't too much. I want to give it also a shout out to Alec Burks, who I didn't mention. Uh, he's a guy that I think is continually, even last season, I think continually a little bit underappreciated by the Knicks fans. But I think he's always been kind of one of those steady guys uh, scoring a little bit of playmaking, kind of a three-level scorer when he's on, honestly. The finishing was there tonight, and the defense is here and there. Um, but, yeah, I think that's how I kind of summarize it. I think there were some really uneven performances, some really poor performances by a couple of starters, and it just wasn't enough. Uh, the Hornets guys were on. I mean, Bridges looked dominant in the second half. LaMelo wasn't scoring too much, but he was he was pushing the pace. He was, he was drawing defenders. He was doing good things out there. Yeah, it just it... – it's just like it's like you said the starters just didn't have anything i mean it it really i i'll be curious i want you know actually we could probably do some quick math real quick if i find the, the nba.com box score because they normally have the stats up very quickly i would be surprised if the if the Knicks starters scored more than uh, 12 points in the, I mean, the so, whole second half. So they scored, what was it? It was 22 to five or something. So they scored about five in the third quarter. Yeah. That's <laughs> literally, they, they probably scored about five or six in the second or the third quarter. And then they probably scored five or six in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And that's insane for this team that we thought, you know, just like three weeks ago, we were like, Oh, they're high powered as hell. Like they have so much three point shooting. Now they have going for them. And now all of a sudden it's like, nobody knows how to shoot. All right, let's pull up the second half. I pulled up the NBA.com box score here. So second half, RJ, zero points. Julius, three points. Mitch, three points. Fournier, zero points. Kemba, six points. Exactly 12 points the starters yeah, scored wow. in the second half. Look at that. I mean, on a yeah. on a full game pace, that's... 24 points and let's you know let's assume that everything was split down the middle you would assume that they play two full quarters worth in a game which they should actually be playing more than that but that's that's 24 points that they that they would have scored for an entire game based off how they they played in the second half it's just it's yeah. unacceptable you know and sun needs to change sooner than later yeah and it really hasn't been the problem this season i mean the knicks have been one of the best offenses in the league. The starters have also been a pretty solid offense by all accounts. It's the defense that's been absolutely porous, um, especially from the starters. Kind of brutal that it's happening with Mitch in the game. Um, you know, I think Mitch actually had an okay game tonight. He left with an injury and then ended up coming back fine. I think he kind of does that a lot. <laughs> I think Clyde was hypothesizing that it has something to do with gaining the weight. I don't know. He's, I'm not he's got a bit of he's got a bit of Anthony Davis syndrome, but Clyde also is a big time <laughs> fat shamer, so that's not surprising. <laughs> I did so. kind of I did kind of get those vibes as well, yeah. to be honest. Um, but yeah, the defense just hasn't been there from the starters and. Most of it's been the open threes. It didn't feel – I'd have to look at the box score, but it didn't feel like they gave up an abhorrent amount of open threes tonight. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it was just the transition defense was poor. Uh, the rotations weren't good. There was a lot of – there were a lot of points where you would see Bridges or Plumlee like rolling to the rim and have like quickly rotated on him and just mm -hmm. get a layup or a dunk. And it's like, okay, well – that didn't work. So maybe they were trying to to close out to the threes better, and uh, Charlotte was just ready for it. 
Well, and down the stretch, too, there was straight up some times. I mean, Miles Bridges took Julius Randle to the woodshed to end the game. I mean, it he was, had him in the blender. He had him in the blender. Oh, a couple it was times. terrible. It was yeah. Down the stretch, I mean, Julius may as well have just been a turnstile at that point. I don't know. We got more to talk about in that regard, but I'm just going to remind everybody Road is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving community since 1965. McDonald's is always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and an endless supply of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose is a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. And it's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. I've told the story a million times, but it's always, it. my, li- always my lifesaver. I had, I, I had a great one uh, coming back from Lake George hungover last summer where I think uh, I think the McDonald's Coke, the the McDouble and the chicken nuggets really uh, carried me through the the end of the Oof. day there. It was, a, it was very necessary. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say locked on Nick's watch party? I didn't, but maybe someone did. But I'm loving it. And today's episode is also brought to you by betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. And maybe... At this particular moment, bet against the Knicks. Uh, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Derek. So actually, this is it's it's interesting. You brought up before I we did that that little break the the defense and the the fact that like I actually thought I agree with you. I think that especially early in the game, and I mean this is the key here. Unfortunately the early game is not the only thing that counts, but like, I thought that early in the game in the first quarter on top of Kemba doing so well on offense, I I was actually very encouraged by the fact that they were doing a good job of basically executing the game plan the way that it should be executed, where they were funneling people to the inside, but they weren't selling out so hard that they were leaving people completely wide open on the perimeter. And that was why they went out to that 34, 18 lead in the first quarter. I mean, it wasn't just like, Kemba was scoring. They also, you know, on top of Kemba scoring 17, the rest of the players scored 17 in that quarter as well because that got them to 34 points. And Charlotte only had 18 points. Like, they were clearly doing something right on defense. And as has been the case recently, it was just kind of like you reach the third quarter and then Charlotte goes on a mini run to start. And then all of a sudden, the Knicks just kind of like showed their belly and stopped defending things the way that they're capable of doing and stopped trying to run any sort of sets on offense and whatever. I I think the way that I want to steer this conversation next, because I started seeing this kind of become discourse on Twitter, like, right. Like, so Tibbs right after the game during his post game comments for the first time, like I wanted to make sure to see those before we recorded today. Cause I was really curious what he was going to say for the first time. I think this season, even despite the fact that the starters have been struggling for at, at least a week or so now. I mean, it's it's not just a two-game issue, though. It's been particularly glaring these past two games. Mm-hmm. He finally said, basically, I mean, he didn't straight up say the starters were terrible, but he said, you know, 
we gave up a big run to start the third. The bench came in. They did their job. They got us back in it. And then down the stretch, we blew it. Obviously, with the implication being I put in Julius and Kemba, and then we blew it. And so he's clearly getting a little fed up with what's going on with the starters at this point. But I'm curious where you stand on the debate of how much falls on him versus how much falls on the starters right now. Because I honestly think, you know, like we saw in the first quarter that clearly the game plan is not bad. So I kind of do struggle to blame Tibbs for why this whole collective group of five people that are clearly all very talented just can't get it together right now. You know, like it seems like Julius is either completely reluctant to shoot or completely like over the top iso Julius. Seems like RJ has lost his mojo. Like he's not going up strong around the rim anymore. He's not hitting his jumpers. You know, things just don't seem to be falling into place for him. Fournier just always looks like a like he's like a deer in the headlights every time he gets the ball on the perimeter now and I don't understand where this is coming from from a guy that was confidently just destroying three-pointers to start the year and then you have Kemba who in this game obviously was great and seemed to kind of find himself a little bit but he also seemed extremely tentative and almost like he's like afraid to be himself in a way it's just it's so bizarre to me and at I, it, I, feel, I feel like if this was something that I thought was a Tibbs issue, I would be perfectly happy to say, I think this is Tibbs's fault. But even with the decision late in this game to like pull Obi and put Randall back in, I thought that was more of him trying to challenge Randall, which I think is actually good coaching. And then Randall and others just aren't stepping up to the challenge right now. But where do you stand on like the Tibbs blame situation right now? So I think it's two separate conversations. I think if you want to talk about why the starting unit just isn't working, um, I think that could be more of a situation where maybe you blame Tibbs. I think it's a little bit harder to blame Tibbs with like some of those late game substitutions where he brings in his all NBA forward and kind of just everything goes to crap. Um it's a little bit tough to make those judgments in the, in the heat of the moment when obviously he's got a lot of trust in Julius Randle and for good reason. Uh, I know Greg Popovich is a coach that he's obviously legendary, but he, you would always see him go in these games where you would have like Patty Mills or someone like that, Gary Neal back in the day, like going off off the bench and then he'd just bring back Tony Parker and bring it back Tony Parker because he's Tony Parker. Uh, and more often than not, it worked for him. Um, obviously as a fan watching tonight, like it didn't feel like the right move to bring back Randall. Um, Obi was playing really well. The whole bench unit was playing well. And then, you know, lo and behold, the eye test Randall comes back in and I think it was an 11 to three run after that, uh, to close the game. So it was tough. Uh, I think it's tough. And I think Tibbs is going to go back to the drawing board with some of these rotations. I think it's gotten to the point where, you got to start thinking about mixing and matching. He's so, so regimented with his lineups, like the starters and the bench. It's not like this for all teams, you know, like there's a lot more players who come in, they stagger lineups, but for Tibbs, it was the same way last year, but it's been even more stark this year where it's really just, here's the five man unit. Here's the next five man unit. Uh, and, you know, that's all well and good when, you're loving the chemistry of the bench unit and how well they play together, which is obviously true. But then, you know, do we need to mix and match out some of the starters as well? So uh, in terms of the in-game coaching tonight, there's obviously things you can question. 
But at the end of the day, I think the players just have to play better. I think the broader question about the coaching is, do we change the way that either the rotations are being shuffled moving forward, or is it more of a, a scheme thing in terms of making these players work together in a way that it seems like they should be able to? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I think basically my, my general thought is, yeah, I think I think there's certain things you can put on Tibbs. Like if he if this continues, let's say for another like three, four games or something, let's say the Knicks rip off a, a tidy little five-game losing streak right here or something, which I think would put them at, what, four, two or three games under 500, something like that in the early stage. Not, not even that early stage of the season. Like you're almost getting towards the – the quarter way point of the season at that point. Like you don't want to be three, four games under 500 there. Mm -hmm. If it's, if it gets to that point he doesn't make a change to the starting lineup and try to make something work. If these guys clearly aren't getting the message one way or the other, then that I think is on Tibbs. I think like, I actually don't hold the OB substitution against him for this game because I think that he was trying to, on top of just challenge Randall to be better and to do his job and to like, help close this game out i think that he was also trying to avoid repeating history from the other day which was you know the other day he played the bench guys for like 16 i think as many i think for derrick rose and alec burks i think it was 18 straight minutes to end last game and you know they just ran out of gas down the stretch and guys made shots and they lost and you know the you know i think he was trying to sort of infuse some of the what are supposed to be your five best players into this bench unit you know with the starters and kind of challenge them to to finish this game i don't have a huge problem with that i know a lot of people were really like wringing their hands over that on twitter and whatever and i can appreciate wanting to be like yeah Obi was playing great like keep him in but i can also appreciate like you don't want to burn these guys out you know completely and you don't it, i think it can be demoralizing for these bench players too if they think like i gave it everything i had but we still lost you know, you don't want them to start thinking it's their fault that you're losing these games, even though it's not because they're just getting worn out because they're having to play like a full quarter and a half to end the game. So I, I don't have a huge problem with that particular substitution. And like, so those those sort of things, though, you know, if he, if he keeps, I, again, the platoon shifts have been a huge, huge issue of mine since last year. I, I despise how he treats this like a hockey game and just puts in like full units at a time and doesn't, you know, mix and match enough. Um, so hopefully that starts changing too. Those things I'll put on him. But in a game like this, like I said, where we see in the early going, there's a good game plan here. You know, like these guys did have a plan and it was working. Like they were there. The defense was working the way that it was supposed to and they were trying hard. And then clearly in the second half, they just stopped trying and that was it. And they they faced a little bit of adversity and just folded. And that that's on the players, you know, so I... I don't think it's right to completely completely get on tips for any of this or even for most of it, at least at this particular stage, because this this has only been this bad of an issue for like two games now with the starters versus the bench. If we hit like four or five more games down the line, things are still going this badly and then the team has lost a number of games in a row. I hope that Tibbs has the wherewithal to, to make a change at that time. Um, but real quick, before we get into our final bit here, uh, I just need to tell everybody today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And let me tell you, I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and treats and plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert, but one that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie 
has upwards of 300 calories, and that is on the low end. Most built bars are only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace that coconut cream pie with a coconut built bar, or I think the newly returned coconut brownie chunk, which is probably the best flavor that they have, or go for a raspberry built bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate, built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a built bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. It'll make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a built bar yet. <laughs> <laughs> New surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at built.com regularly. So check the site often. There's nothing like a built bar Black Friday as well. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. That's certainly when I'll be stocking up for the next number of months on my built bars. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, so we're getting into our final bit here. Derek, I, you know, I, I kind of went on a rant at the end. I went solo on the last show and I, I did my own thing where I just kind of like ranted about things that I think the Knicks should change to fix things right now because clearly some things need to change uh i think my my two core tenets were i think starting iq instead of kemba although now after this game i almost want to say start him instead of fournier either way get iq in the starting lineup somehow for one of those two guys pick your poison i don't care uh putting him out there and playing more small ball with obi and randall i i don't in, in this game in particular too i don't understand why they didn't do it more Nick Richards is not particularly huge. I think that Randall and Obi could have handled themselves fine against him. Even like Mason Plumley, I mean, he's fine. He's an NBA player, but he's a big clumsy oaf. Like you could put those guys on him and I think they could have done okay. You know, at least with disrupting his shot enough that he's not like a mega efficient scorer or something where you're concerned he's just going to torch them over and over. Like you put a little pressure on him, he'll generally miss the shot. I just I, I feel like they had to do some of these things, but it could be those same things. It could be some different. But like, what are a couple of things you would kind of write on the bulletin board if you if you could and, and for things that the Knicks should be trying out to try to get out of this? Well, yeah, I think it starts with shoring up the defense at the end of the day. You know, we can talk about changing the starting lineup. Um, who knows if that'll work all that well? It, it might. It might not. I think the biggest problem this season has been just the defensive fall off from what we saw last year. Right now in the starting lineup, you basically have four guys out there who are performing like above average or below average to well below average defensive players. Uh, I think RJ, you know, his on-ball defense has been very good. The off-ball defense has been really, really poor, especially the last couple of games. It seemed pretty glaring. Tonight, as I mentioned earlier, was a really brutal game for him with some of the back cuts uh, from Gordon Hayward. Kemba, obviously not the staunchiest defender. I think he gets in the right place most of the time, but he's just too small to really affect things. Fournier, you know, same story. I would just try mixing and matching some of the lineups more. You talk about Obi. Uh, obviously, all the rage is small ball, and the only way you can get Obi in the lineup is to to play small ball. Is it crazy? Is it is it Fizdale esque to suggest maybe even trying to play Obi and Randall at the same time with a big? <laughs> I mean, the the defense has been turnstile on the perimeter already. 
Um, <laughs> at this point, I would just be interested in seeing more combinations out there, seeing different combinations out there in terms of tactically with the players um, and preventing more of those open threes, as we talked about. I don't think that was the biggest poison pill for this specific game, but I think it's been the Achilles heel this season is allowing open threes. So if I'm Tibbs, if I'm on his coaching staff, I think the number one thing I'm trying to do is how can we schematically prevent those threes? How can we prevent our guys from getting beat off the ball? Uh, and then lineup wise, just mixing and matching things up more. You know, it's still pretty early in the season. There's still a lot of time to test out some of these different combinations who's playing well together. You know, maybe IQ gets some more on ball duties. Like you were saying, if he's playing with some different personnel, there's a lot of different things you can do. There's a lot of different things you can see. Um, and I think Tibbs has the opportunity to do that with, with the team that, that is put in front of him this year from Leon Rose in the front office. I mean, we, we talked about all these guys who are so versatile, able to play on and off the ball offensively. The offense has been really good. Um, and the versatility of these guys to, you know, you have multiple ball handers you can play make. Alec Burks is another guy who even played some point for the Knicks, right, last season off the bench. It gives you the opportunity to mix and match because you have so many guys who can take on that responsibility offensively. So you just need to find those lineups that can hold water on the other end. Yeah, and, you know, I want to circle back to something you said that I actually, I mean, I don't, I don't think suggesting – Ob at the three is necessarily the same as uh, as suggesting Porzingis at the three at this point, which was Fizdale's uh, one of his best. Uh, claims the East to, is big. Claim, yeah, claims to infamy, I guess, not even claim to fame, but like, I, I think that that's something that we explored in the preseason a little bit, or or you know, I should say in the off season, like just explored in our heads. We haven't seen it actually on the court yet, but. That was something we talked about like during our OB season preview of like, how do you find this guy more minutes? Do you try him at the three? With the way that he's playing right now, I mean, I do wonder a little bit if maybe some of the most athletic, the most, you know, the fastest, you know, guys with pretty tight handles, whatever. Like, I'm trying to think like, I feel like maybe like an Andrew Wiggins or something with the way that he's playing right now would be kind of a, a struggle for OB at the three or, um, I don't know. I mean, various if guys. The issue, like if the issue is going to be stopping Andrew Wiggins, then I'm, hmm. then I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's like, but Obi, you know, kind of brings you some of that when you're talking about three-point defense, like he's actually sort of supplanted Mitch as like the guy who now is kind of a danger to block people's so three-pointers and stuff. I actually, I actually tweeted this out today because I found it on – one of my favorite sites, per36.com, if you guys are into some of those interesting defensive tracking metrics. So he's actually eighth in the NBA in three-pointers contested this season per 36 minutes. Wow. Yeah. It's he's among that's, all players. I would imagine that he's probably pretty high in a lot of categories right now per 36 uh, He's minutes. pretty high in a lot of those hustle categories because they're yeah. flying all around the court on both yeah. ends. And, you know, it's not – nothing to say hey the eye test is saying that he's moving out there and he pushes the pace it's showing up in a lot of these in these numbers as well well and that's the other thing too is is on offense as well now the one thing that i really wish he had going for him right now is i wish the three-point shot was falling because mm -hmm. i think that changes everything he hasn't been taking them he hasn't really been taking him as much either because you know i think he kind of knows at this point that it's not a good shot for him right now mm -hmm. with how he's shooting it which is a shame because it looks so good in summer league and it looks so good to start the season and now all of a sudden it's back to looking about as bad as it. I mean, 
I again, I'm not crapping on the guy. He had a stretch last season when he would airball yeah. every quarter three he took. It's yeah, but like you know, every other thing in his game is is flying right now. He's doing amazing, except shooting the three. And I think that that is maybe the one thing that holds you back from being able to say like, can you just play him at the three? Because I think you still need that shooting there. Now, maybe you can get away with him not being a shooter if you try to play like. I don't even know. Like, I'm trying to think. I, I was I was thinking, honestly, like, if you wanted to be real drastic and just try something crazy, you could potentially insert him in the starting lineup for, like, Fournier and then move RJ up to the two. I think maybe in some cases that might help RJ with that help defense because then at least then he gains his size advantage back over those two guards. And also, against two guards, you're more likely to be dealing with guys one-on-one, which is his strength anyway, than having to trail guys all around the court and then potentially get lost and Mm -hmm. and give up those cuts like you're talking about. And so maybe that works better for him. Maybe Obi can handle those, those responsibilities defending the three. Then again, though, like I'm also kind of thinking like, so what if his three isn't falling because nobody's three is falling in the starting lineup. So maybe just try it and see what happens. I mean, I, I would hope at some point soon that Tibbs maybe thinks about just, Using this as an – like, let's say that next game, the Knicks fall back to 500. I think then's the time to say, okay, we were 5-1 and one not that long ago. Like, maybe we need to do something different here. You know, may, maybe we should we should try just throwing something at the wall and seeing if it sticks. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe coming off the bench would be great for Fournier or something, you know, to help him get his mojo back. And maybe by the time the playoffs roll around, you revert back to the same starting five once they've kind of got their stuff together. But – I think that on top of just needing to try something different, I think he also kind of needs to send a message at this point because he's trying now. He's starting to play the media game now as of today. He's now two games in a row sort of played the bench a really long time in the second half, like the full bench to get it across the starters. Like this isn't acceptable at a certain point. He's just going to have to like fully just say, okay, like I'm taking your toy away. You don't get to be in the starting lineup anymore. Like this, what more do I have to do? Or like, get this through to your your thick skulls that you need to you know play defense shoot well on offense you know be be uh uh confident and everything else it's just i don't know but I, I do know like based off the type of player that tibbs loves it has to absolutely be killing him that these so many of the guys in the starting lineup just look so tentative right now because he just loves guys that just want to go out there and get their own shot all day on offense and like nobody's mm-hmm. doing that right now yeah yeah i just i don't know at any rate, um, Derek, do you have any more? Do you have any more thoughts to close us off on? Do, any other guys you want to talk about, like Mitchell Robinson, maybe or something? Or, or I mean, I didn't particularly love Taj's game in this game. I thought he was he looked kind of. I think took his age in this game. <laughs> yeah, he had he had a couple. Of, he had like an air ball. He stepped on the line. He had an offensive interference. He had like five fouls. It was a tough, tough Taj game. Uh, Nerlens Noel Hive, where are you at? Um. Yeah, he's he's a good guy to have out there to shore up the defense. I would honestly just give one more shout out to Obi. Like I know we touched on, he's not a three. He's obviously not a three. Uh, and I'm not suggesting that putting him at the three is going to improve the poorest defense. But the thing about having him on the court, it's not really a positional thing, right? It's not like oh, is he going to be able to be on the wing? It's more of what he brings to the lineups he's in. And how he creates, he really does create transition opportunities for the whole team. Uh, he would, he would the force team. these guys to be keeping their heads up. Oh, yeah. At, looking for him in transition, which is something that nobody else is doing right now. 
Yeah. But. So, um, again, I'm not saying we have to harp on playing him at the three because obviously I think that's a pretty radical thing to say. He, he's never played the three in the NBA. But the thing that's not radical is just getting him more minutes and getting the guys who have all these positive plus minus on off, right? And have the guys who seem like they're having a positive impact, find ways to get them more minutes, mix and match. It's still early in the season, Tibbs. Let's show that you can really adjust. Yeah. And I'll just lastly shout out, we, we've we've shouted out Obi a lot. We gave Burks his, his props earlier. Uh, Derek Rose, I think, played pretty well. Um, not, not his best game of the season by any stretch, but a nice little efficient eight points, three to six shooting, a couple assists in 17 minutes. Uh, obviously, he ceded a, a decent amount of minutes to Kemba Walker. He had a couple of those nice floaters in the third quarter when they were yeah. making the run coming he back. Had, he had a really funny one where Kelly Oubre got switched on to him, and then he was kind of like trapped in the corner. And then I like – you couldn't see his face like because he was facing away from the camera, but like you could – you, you could just see the process going on, like the gears turning, that he turned around, saw Kelly Oubre, and was like, oh, sweet, and then just drove right in and got one of those yeah. really nasty floaters coming across the lane there. And uh, I'm still and waiting for him to stop shooting 50% from three. I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but apparently not yet. I do kind of think that he's just going to level out at around <laughs> 40% at this point. Like yeah. He did it last year on volume with the Knicks, so maybe that's just who he is now. Maybe he's like Vince Carter where he just – I think over. it's pretty clear that he's – a very good three-point shooter. I mean, yeah. have multiple seasons of evidence now that yep. he's a very good three-point shooter off the catch and off the bounce. So it's great to see with the long-term deal. Yeah, and speaking of good three-point shooters, last shout-out, Emmanuel Quickly, uh, nine points in 21 minutes. He shot three of eight, three of seven from three. I think he started three of four from three, and then he just kind of petered off a little bit down the stretch. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder if maybe he got a little tired with the minutes load, whatever. His last few attempts from three were getting kind of late in the fourth quarter. Um, so I think that maybe he just kind of ran out of gas a bit, but I mean, he came in, he had to, he once again had the stones to just come in there and hit the, the big shots that the Knicks needed to put them in a position to, you know, tie the game and, and potentially take the lead, which is exactly what he did against the Bucks the other night too. You got to find him more minutes too. you know, him, him and Obi are just too good to sit at this point. Like you can't, you can't ignore it anymore. Uh, and, the, and they certainly have to be playing more than like. 21 minutes for quickly and 15 for Obi. You just got to, you got to find a way to you get them. 15 for Obi tonight. 15 for Obi. Yeah. Wow. And thir 33 for Randall. Uh, Obi just didn't play a lot in the, in the first half was the main thing. And uh, 15 plus 33. What does that equal? 48. Yeah. Yeah. It's because they, they can never occupy the floor together. And yeah. you know, it's just, it's, it's bizarre and it's, it's kind of frustrating. And, and especially with matchups, like again, like with Nick, Nick Richards tonight, out there for a good amount for the Hornets yeah. where you really didn't have to you didn't have to tailor your game to these guys like you did against say like the Sixers where you know with Andre Drummond it was like okay you need to have a, a pure big out there on him so you can't run small ball against the Sixers or whatever uh against the Bucks the other night I thought they could have done it and against the Hornets tonight I think they could have done it too and hopefully I mean I just don't understand why Tibbs doesn't want to go to it at all considering how successful it was literally in the first game of the season where you you had this amazing effort uh, I think second game of the season too. Um, yeah, yeah. And in the preseason, it was working as well. Exactly. So, anyway, all right. I think we've gone on long enough about this crap fest of a game, Derek. Um, thank you so much for coming on and giving so much great insight, as always. And uh, do you want to just remind everybody your your many 
Twitter accounts and many places to find your work and all that good stuff before we sign off today. Sure. Yeah. Appreciate you having me on, Alex. Um, just find me on Twitter at DRife. I think it's right there. It is right below you. If you're, yes, if you're watching on video today. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, like Alex said, the Strickland is, is where I like to do a lot of my next stuff. If you like the Mets at Mets Analytics um, and at Corner 3 Sports, if you like uh, my charts that I that I put a lot of work into. So uh, if you like stats, I'll post them for you, I promise. And, of course, at RJ Barrett stats as well, which we'll just oh, – yeah. we'll choose to be ignorant enough for today. But plug it, yeah, tonight I had to post uh, – tonight I had to post some sad boy memes from that account. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but, don't, but don't worry. The, the future is still bright for RJ, hopefully. So this is just a little, little bump in the road. So it's, it's still a good account to be following going forward. Uh, but this has been Locked On Knicks. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, again, uh, you know, we just alluded to it, but if you're not on YouTube yet and you can check us out on YouTube, it's uh, Locked On Knicks on YouTube. You can just drop us a subscription there. Uh, you don't even have to watch the videos if you just want to listen, but it helps out a lot to have the subs there. Maybe drop a couple thumbs up on a couple videos. Uh, keep the Keep the trolls at bay. Looking like at you, and subscribe, like and subscribe, like and subscribe. Looking at you, Raptors fans who uh, thumbs down bombed our one video for daring to say that we thought the Knicks should have beat the depleted Raptors a few games ago. Yeah, at least they're uh, getting the view count up. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. Have a good weekend, and we'll be back next week with some more game recaps and all that. Yeah, stuff. thank you, Alex. All right, peace out, everybody.